presence of the Holy Spirit all over this place, we ask for your peace. We ask for your strength. We ask, Lord, for grace over every single person who is connected to us and everybody who is hurting in the name of Jesus. And Lord, at this point, we activate the commitment of your word, saying that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we ask, Father, that, Lord, this will be the case in the name of Jesus. Thank you because you've heard us. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. All right, so this morning, um, in the next few minutes that I have left, we're going to be having a conversation about a lifestyle of prayer. We're going to have a conversation about a lifestyle of prayer. So remember that right from the beginning of this month, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit as the game changer, all right? Um, so one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives is to help us to pray. In fact, the Bible very clearly says in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 26, um, from the Amplified Classic Version, it says, So too, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. For we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads on our behalf, with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. So that one of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit in our lives as individual believers, all right, is to help us to pray. It is to teach us to pray. It is to empower us to pray. And it is to tell us what to pray. And this verse of scripture does suggest that even the Holy Spirit himself does pray for us. Hallelujah. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Luke chapter 18. I will read from verse 1 in the Living Bible. Luke chapter 18, I will read from verse 1. The Bible says, One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must keep praying until the answer comes. They must do what? They must keep praying until the answer comes. It says there was a city judge. And he said, I mean, he said, a very godless man who had great contempt for everyone. A widow of that city came to him frequently to appeal for justice against a man who had harmed her. The judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she did what? She got on his nerves. And then he said, I fear neither God nor man, he said to himself, but this woman bothers me. I'm going to see that she gets justice, for she is wearing me out with her constant coming. Then the Lord said, if even an evil judge can be worn down like that, don't you think that God will surely give justice to his people who plead with him day and night? Yes, he will answer them quickly. But the question is, when I, the Messiah, return, how many will I find who have faith and are praying? Can you ask your neighbor this morning, when Jesus comes, will he find you as somebody who has faith and who is praying? Can you ask your neighbor? Ask, ask them, ask them, ask them, give them answers. I mean, will you, will, you be, will you have faith? Will you be praying when Jesus comes? Hallelujah. You see, the truth is, Jesus told this parable, and very clearly, the Bible says he told this parable to demonstrate and to illustrate our need for constant and unending prayer. And if you're, if you're doing something constantly and in an unending manner, that means it becomes habitual and it becomes a lifestyle for you. 
So, so Jesus essentially said, all right, that for us to walk and live a life of victory, for us to manifest and to experience the reality of the things that God has packaged into our destinies and to our lives as believers, we must consistently maintain the habit of prayer. We must make prayer and praying a lifestyle. And a lifestyle is something that you do on a consistent basis. It is something that you become so used to that you do very, very frequently. In fact, you do it effortlessly. You do it in a variety of ways and at every single opportunity that you get. And so if you have a lifestyle of partying, you know that you're always waiting for Friday night and Saturday night to do thank God it's Friday and go and find a party to attend. If you have a lifestyle of, of traveling, you're always looking forward to a vacation period to go and explore somewhere and do something new. And if you have a lifestyle of watching TV and engaging in entertainment, I mean, you know that you would then have multiple subscriptions to different um, sources of entertainment and you carry them on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer, on your TV, and everywhere you go, you're watching something. And so the same thing, the things that are, that become, that are habitual to you, the way that you do them, very regularly and consistently, it's the same way that the Lord expects us to pray and to engage with, the pray, with prayer. But you see, what happens sometimes is that the nature of life that we live, the nature of our lifestyles, the environment that we live in, and even our understanding of our relationship with the Lord Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, sometimes, they, because it is limited, um, sometimes we, 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 we struggle to get into that place of consistent prayer. Hallelujah. And so you begin to hear things like, oh, my prayer life is struggling. No, you're not supposed to have a prayer life. You're actually supposed to, to have a lifestyle of prayer because praying and prayer is not supposed to be separate from the things that you do on a daily basis. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you see, the business of living can be tough and rough. But you see, a lifestyle of prayer powers you, powers you to enforce the victory that Jesus has won for you on Calvary. So Jesus has made victory available he has put victory in our account, in our heavenly account for us. That's why he says he's made available to us all blessings in heavenly places. But for you to be able to engage, for you to be able to see the manifestation of what belongs to you, you need to engage in prayer. Hallelujah. So what you need is not a prayer life, but a life of prayer. Because praying persistently... Praying persistently should be the way that you live rather than an activity that you do and you schedule and put on your calendar and do once in a while. Praise God. Let's read again James chapter 5. I'm going to read a number of scriptures this morning so it establishes and sinks into our heart what God wants us to know about building habits of prayer. James chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 13 to 18. Again, I'm reading the, new, the Living Bible. And so it says, is anyone among you suffering? What should he do? He should keep on praying about it. Is anyone among you suffering? What does suffering mean? Suffering means inconvenience. Is there anything in your life that makes you uncomfortable? Is there anything in your life that is inconvenient right now? What did the Bible say? Did it say whine about it? 
Did he say blame the government about it? Did he say blame your father and your mother for not sending you to the right school about it? No. It says what? Say, she shouted, say, she do what? Keep on praying about it. And those who have reason to be thankful, they should continually be singing praises to the Lord. Singing praises to the Lord is also another form of prayer. All right? So, he says, so, so what this is saying is this. Whether you have challenges or you are happy and things are going well, what should you do? Pray. But you know what happens many times is this. When things are good and they are rosy, yeah, prayer goes out of the window. When challenges show up, we welcome prayer. And then even sometimes in those instances, we get to a point where we pray and pray and we say, look, I don't think God is listening to me. I don't think the solution to this challenge exists in heaven or in prayer. I'm going to help myself, so I will stop praying. But the Bible says, continue to pray about it. Verse 14 says, is anyone sick? What should he do? He should call for the elders of the church and they should pray over him and pour a little oil upon him, calling on the Lord to heal him. Verse 15, and their prayer, if offered in faith, will heal him. But the Lord will make him well. And if his sickness was caused by some sin, the Lord will do what? He will forgive him. Admit your faults one to another and pray for each other. So that you may be what? So that you may be healed. So it says, admit your faults to one. So, so even when I have done something wrong, even when it looks like the challenges of my life have, have been brought upon, my, upon me based on my character defects and flaws and mistakes, what does it say? It says we should pray for one another. It didn't say that when I come to tell you that story, that the next thing you should do is pick up your phone and call our mutual friend and say, look, let me tell you this. In, in fact, you cannot say it to anybody. Yeah? In fact, in fact, sometimes you hear something, people say things like, you know, if I tell you, I'm going to have to kill you. And then they go ahead and tell you anyway. And then they don't kill you. So it says, pray for one another so that what? So that you may be healed. In fact, if the person does not come to talk to you about it, if you're aware that someone is struggling and caught in something that they shouldn't be doing, you should do what? You should pray for them. That's what the Bible says. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. What does it say? The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. So this morning, can you please tell me the name of a righteous person? One righteous man that you know. You don't know any righteous person? No, tell me the name of the person. Sir? Titilayo. Which Titilayo? You. All right? And who do you know? Oh, you know Pastor TJ. How do you know? All right? Who else? Who else? Who else knows the righteous person? Yes? Sunday. Which Sunday? Sunday, at least say before player. Oh, you. All right, so, 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 let's, so let's read it. You people are very smart. So let's read it. It says, the earnest prayer of Sunday has what? Great power and wonderful results. So, so if your earnest prayer has great power and wonderful results, why are you not using it? Why are you not using it? Elijah was as completely human as we are. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, None fell for the next three and a half years. Then he prayed again, this time, that it would rain, and down it poured. 
and the grass turned green, and the gardens began to grow again. Hallelujah. I mean, so, 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 tell, talking about not using, not using it, let me tell you one story. I remember when I, when I bought my first car, I didn't know how to drive. Um, but I just bought the car anyway. Hoping that I was going to learn how to drive with the car that I bought. It was a um, Honda what now? Honda Hala. How many people know Honda Hala? Do you remember Honda Hala? All right. Okay. Thank you. Some people were born not too long ago, so they don't know Honda Hala. So I bought this, this blue car from one of my colleagues who was going abroad. And I parked the car in my house, where I used to live then in Ojota. And I had this car in my compound. And then I would wake up in the morning to go to work. I would jump on the bus. And I would go to work. And then I would come back from work. I would jump on the bus and, uh, and go back home. And the car would be there. Um, sometimes, when I, after getting home from work, I would pick the key, go into the car, put on the engine, and warm it so that the battery would not run down. I would do that, I would do, I would rev it, boom, 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 boom. But of course, the car was not moving, it was not going anywhere, it was not doing anything. And I think it was like that for maybe about two or three months. Yeah? The car was there, we'll just try, and then maybe one Saturday, I will go and find one of my friends, you know, so come and teach me how to drive, and then we'll go. But by the time they finish explaining the thing to me, I will say, will I ever know how to drive like this? <laughs> if I remember one day, along Ogudu Road, so I was driving, driving. He said, okay, you're doing okay. You're doing all right. You're doing all right. And then there was one lady, I mean, one car in front of me um, at a junction. So the person had slowed down, was indicating that they wanted to make a left turn. And I knew that I should stop. I should press the brake and stop. And I was pressing the brake, pressing the brake, just, just pressing it very mildly and gently until... And... And I had to pay for the damage. If I knew that, they, that they even cheated me. Because they called some panelbita from somewhere who just showed up and told me they were going to buy this many, whatever it was. And I paid, and I just told the guy that was teaching me, drive back home and let's go home. So we passed again. And then one day, one elderly man across the street from me called me. And he said, I noticed that your car is always, I said, yes, I don't know how to drive. I said, I'm trying to learn how to drive. The man said, the truth is you are afraid of bashing the car. Jump inside it and start driving. He said, I've been driving for over 50 years. Once in a while, I still bash people. We still make mistakes. Drive this car, my friend. And so I got courage. And one day, somebody came, followed me to work for one week. We drove to and pro, and then I started driving the car. You see, some people approach the business of praying like I was approaching the use of my car. They're waiting to learn how to pray. They're waiting until they are sure that God will answer that prayer. They're waiting until they think that they have the right language to use and the right words to use, the right posture to take when they want to pray. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you see, prayer is not a degree. Pray. That's all you need. Just open your mouth and do what? Pray. Hallelujah. That's all you need to do. It's about a lifestyle. Hallelujah. Don't ask me what happened to that car after. I just know I, I drove it for very well, right? For, for, for quite a while. So the truth is, you can pray at all times. 
in all places. Because the Holy Spirit is in you and is with you everywhere. You can pray in every way, in any way that you want. What, I, what you know how to do is to scream, as long as they are not waking your neighbors up. What, I, what you know how to do is to say it in your local dialect or your local language. Just say something. It's a dialogue between you and God. And prayer is so important that it should not be left at the mercy of our daily activities and the busyness of our schedules. The things that matter the most must not be put at the mercy of the things that matter the least. Prayer matters a lot in your life, so pray. Come on, can you tell your neighbor, pray. Pray. Pray Pray in the morning. Pray in the afternoon. Pray everywhere you go. In fact, tell them, make time now. Pray as you go. Pray as you go. Hallelujah. You see, the truth is, if Jesus prayed while he was on earth, if he found the need to pray, if he, if he realized that he had the need to pray while he was on earth, then what's your excuse? What's my excuse? Not to pray consistently. Not to pray regularly. You see, not praying seems like you've parked a car and you're jumping buses. And the truth is, well, maybe now that there are ride-ailing services, it may, be, it may be slightly more comfortable for you to go out in a public transport than to, go, than to drive your own car, yeah? But in those days, these days that I was talking about, there was no hap to, to hail a cab. In fact, at that time, we didn't even have cell phones just yet. Not to talk of having an app that you can use to call a cab. So, so what it meant was that I was walking to the bus stop. If it rained, then the rain would beat me. I would jump on the bus. Depending on the nature of the downfall bus, you know, it may tear my shirt or my suit in the process of entering it, but I had this car parked at home. That's how some people are doing. You're struggling through life. You're using your strength and your energy to move things all by yourself, neglecting prayer. In fact, people have made prayer the extra tire that they go to when there is only a challenge as opposed to making it your best front wheel. Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, pray. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, while Jesus was, on, was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And what the Bible says, and God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Hallelujah. So Jesus prayed. You must pray. Jesus set us an example. Pray. Hallelujah. So, so why, why, do you, why do we need to pray? I've said several things, but let me add a few more things to it. How many people who live in Lagos or wherever else you live, if you're joining us online, yeah? Um, if you live outside Nigeria, you may not catch the joke. But if, how many people have multiple sources of power, electricity in their homes? Show of hands. Multiple sources of electricity, right? Okay, so, so if you're like me, yeah? Per adventure, you would have an inverter. Yeah? And have at least one generator, yeah? In my house, we used to have one inverter, a six kVA generator, 
and, and is it an 18 kVA or a 21 kVA generator? And then for backup, we had PHCM. <laughs> so we had PHCM for backup. But you see, the thing is this, yeah? If you don't get the joke, we have PHCM is backup because it's not always available. That's simple. What's this? So, but you see, the thing is this. The inverter, yeah? At least the one that we had, I don't know the one that you have. The one we had, yeah, has limited capacity. It can only power a few things. All right? We didn't make it to, we didn't buy the one that could power the fridge or power an AC. Yeah? Um, and so if we needed to use an AC, we would have to go and put on the bigger generator. If all we wanted to do was just to watch TV and power the fridge, we put on the smaller generator. And then, peradventure, the day that the backup people choose to show up, we will use them and power everything else in the house because their own capacity was more than everything else that we had. So, so, so the ultimate source of power that you have, remember uh, James chapter 5, it says prayer makes tremendous power available. The ultimate source of power that you have is prayer. So, so, so why are you ignoring the, the, the largest, the biggest source of power that can power everything in your life. And you're running on inverter, the 3.5 kVA one. And so you've gone to bed. It's very hot. Do you, know how, do you remember how hot it was in January? And so you had your inverter that is powering a, a rechargeable fan. And you were waking up every 15, every 30 minutes, fanning yourself because it was very hot. When there was power from PHCN that you could have to put on your AC and enjoy a good night's rest, that is the way people behave when they ignore prayer. Prayer gives you power for successful and effective living. Hallelujah. So, 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 use power, I mean, use prayer to generate power for a successful life. Also, in the place of prayer, you will receive instructions for the seasons of life where you find yourself. In the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 2. The Bible says that Paul and other people, they were praying. Some apostles and teachers, they were praying. And while they were praying and fasting, God gave them instructions and told them what to do. So if you are confused about something, I mean, it's good enough to Google it. It's good enough to call your mentor and go for counseling. But why don't you try praying as well? If you're still confused, after you've spoken to everybody. And of course, in the place of prayer, in the midst of tough times and challenges, you receive consistent assurance of victory that God has not left you. Even Jesus needed it. In Luke chapter 22 from verse 39, the Bible describes how a few days before Jesus was going to be killed, he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane and an angel showed up to strengthen him, to encourage him. Paul said also in Acts chapter 28, you know, they had been through 14 days of turbulence on the sea. And the Bible says he stood up and said to them that an angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve, said to me that there will be no loss of life. So instead of giving up, why don't you pray some more and receive strength from God to be able to go on and overcome whatever it is. And so this morning, I wanted to remember and to know and to memorize, perhaps, that constantly communing with God is essential for a successful Christian life. Constant communion with God 
is essential for successful living. Whether in your business, whether in your marriage, whether in your education, whatever it is, whatever challenge or, or issues that you have, whether it is a need for wisdom, it's a need for direction, it's a need for finances, it's a need for resources, it is the answer to it is available in the, in the place of prayer. Prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Hallelujah. Prayer gives God permission to move on your behalf on earth because he's giving you the victory. Hallelujah. And so when you are praying, don't treat the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a way you could pray. People behave when they pray, when we pray, right? I do it sometimes too. I finish praying and then you go out and it feels like you have left the Holy Spirit at home. You are going off to do your own. And then when you run back, when you get into trouble on the way, you then have to find your way back home to go and meet the Holy Spirit. No, it's everywhere that you are going. You carry him along with you in the morning, in the afternoon, whether it's on the bus, whether it's on the plane, anywhere you go, the Holy Spirit is with you. Keep talking to him. Keep asking him for direction. Keep praising him. Keep speaking to him. And it will give you what? It will give you victory. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. The message translation says, In the same way, Prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. It didn't mean that you should open your eyes when you are praying. That's not what he's saying. It means stay alert, right? So, keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one fails, falls behind or drops out. So, so, so in, in the business of praying, quality matters, quantity matters, the focus matters, who you are praying for matters. You know, sometimes one of the things that you hear the most is that one of the responsibilities of parents, especially mothers, is to pray for their children. I mean, you hear that almost everywhere you go. And so you say, my mother is always praying for me. My father is praying for me. My mother is praying for me. So I'm okay. No, you're not okay. Intercession cannot do for you what your supplication should do for you. So yes, your mother will pray for you. But you also need to learn to pray for yourself and to pray for somebody else. So it says prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Hallelujah. So how do you pray to get results? Number one, the prayer should be scriptural. It should be fervent. It should be heartfelt. It should be full of faith. Hallelujah. Somebody say that with me. Your prayer should be what? Scriptural, fervent, heartfelt, and faith-filled. All that that means is this. You know, there's a way you can hear pray fervently. And the only thing that's coming to your, heart, to, your, to your mind is, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray this morning, everybody, everywhere is shaking your head. By the time you finish praying for five minutes, you are sweating, your shirts are soaked. No, 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 no. It just talks about being consistent and persistent and having faith in the prayer that you are praying. That's all. I mean, think about Hannah in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2, I believe, 1 or 2. The Bible says that this woman went to pray because she had no child. And the pastor came. I say, ah, why is this person behaving like a drunken person? Say, it's too high early to get drunk. The woman say, you don't know, you please face your, face your lane and face my lane. Day your day, I day my day. I will pray to God any hour I like. 
And you know what happened? One year later, she had proof of, of answered prayers. She got the child that she was looking for. So, so pray. Okay? The only thing you need is this. Let it be scriptural. Let it be based on what God has promised you in scripture. That is why you also need to study the Bible for your prayer life to be, I mean, for your, for your, for your prayer habit to be effective and to be powerful. Hallelujah. Somebody says, Pastor Jim, I don't know many scriptures. It's okay. You don't need to know too many scriptures. Whatever you know, just say. And then you will grow in it. Pray the will of God. James chapter 4 verse 3 says sometimes we pray amiss. We pray. We don't have what we have prayed for because we pray amiss. And the will of God is what? The will of God is written in the scriptures. And you know, the thing is this. The Holy Spirit, who is the game changer, is the administrator of God's estate on earth. It's the one who is revealing to us the will of the Father. It's the one who tells us by showing us in scriptures, by whispering it into our hearts and our ears, that this is what God has packaged for you in life. Go for it. Ask him in prayer. I don't know if you have similar experiences to some of the ones that I had. Where you know you want something from your father. And you go and say it to your mom. And she says, no, don't ask now. Ask tomorrow morning. Or ask next week. Or you say, mommy, can I ask for this one? Will daddy give me? She'll say, yes, he will give you. No, he won't give you this one. That's the way the Holy Spirit is. Jesus did not die without leaving us a will. He left the will, which is the word of God. And then he left the Holy Spirit, who helps us to interpret the will of God. So think about a rich man dying and leaving a will and appointing a lawyer as the administrator of his estate and saying, you're the one that is going to tell my children where the houses are and who gets what and what they should do with it. And that's exactly, but if you ignore the lawyer, when the lawyer calls a meeting and says, at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning, we're going to meet in my office and he say, who are you? Then you're not going to know the will of the Father. It's the same way we need to treat the Holy Spirit. He's the administrator of God's estate on earth. He's the one who shows us the will of the Father and we need to engage him. Hallelujah. Your prayer should be fervent. We talked about that already. And of course, don't be legalistic about prayers. You don't have to say in Jesus' name 15 times before God hears and answers you. You don't have... The prayer... Prayer is unidirectional. So, so, so it's not confined to a particular place. And it's not confined to a particular time of day. So don't be legalistic. Pray everywhere you find yourself at all times as well. Yes, we understand that you need to devote some times of day to, to devotions, to consistent daily devotion. We understand that. But carry your prayer habit with you everywhere you go as well. Hallelujah. And when you pray, have faith. Believe that God is going to do for you what he has said he will do. The Bible says one of the reasons that we don't, it says if anybody is double-minded, he will not receive anything from God. We need to have faith. And your faith would be root, is only rooted and built on the basis of scriptures. So if you're not studying scriptures when you're praying, all right, you will not, you will, it will be difficult to believe and have faith that God will answer your prayers. And so whether you're newly born again or you've been saved for very long, you need to pray. Prayer, I mean, faith gives wind 
I mean, prayer gives wings to your faith. If you have faith, demonstrate it by praying. Hallelujah. People who have faith, they do what? They pray. So if you have faith in God, demonstrate it by praying. Don't stop praying. Pray until you have a note of victory. Pray until you have a note of victory in your heart. Pray in the spirit. Pray in your understanding. Pray, pray long prayers. Pray short prayers. Just make sure that you are praying. Somebody says, oh, Pastor Jay, you don't know how busy my life is. I wake up at 3 a.m. I go to bed at 12, 12 midnight. I only sleep three hours a day. I, am, I work harder than the clock. It's okay, I understand. You are more busy. You are busier than my wristwatch. I understand. But you cannot live effectively without praying. So schedule prayer. Put it in your agenda. So when people practice a reward system for themselves, they say things like, no, no prayer, no breakfast. No Bible, no supper. It's okay. Just do something. Create a system that helps you to pray. Set an alarm on your phone. Engage somebody as your accountability partner. If you think you need one, just make sure that you're praying. And so ladies and gentlemen, this morning, remember, one day in our house, we put on the gen at night and then we told someone to put it off. The last person to sleep was supposed to put it off. And then, of course, very faithful human being put up the generator and then everybody went to bed. But of course, I think we went we're on the inverter or I don't remember, we're using rechargeable fans. But we didn't have a very comfortable night's sleep. And so I woke up in the morning and I was going to go to work. I wanted to get into my car. Um, the, the power, the, what, what do they call that thing that we build to put all those things that you use to con- correct, connect your generator? It was, not, it was beside my, my car. The changeover, thank you very much. God bless you. The changeover panel, yeah, was inside my car. And so I got there, and I saw the indicator that said that we had power from PHCN. And I said, wow, what has happened? We have power from PHCN, and we didn't sleep well at night. I was really, really, I was already worried. I wanted to call our electrician. And then I looked closer. Do you know what happened? The person that put up the generator didn't change over power. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, as you go into this week, change over power. Brave.